Welcome to Pro Tinted Glasses. I'm Katie. I'm Bailey. And we are back talking about a thing we love so much, fandom. The thing that led to the creation of this podcast in a indirect fashion. In an, an, oh, an indirect fashion. Grammar, love it. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's a it's a cold Wednesday. We're all doing our best. And we are not a grammar fandom podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I take that back. Katie no. totally is. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've mostly let go my, like, grammatical, tyrannical ways from high school. I'm not as bad of a know-it-all, but I, I am still a little bit of one. Um, so besides the type, uh, the grammar fandom, we were going to kind of lead into this episode with a bit of a quick discussion about, like, types of fandom and, and major fans fandoms before we launch into like the real meat of what today's episode is going to be about yeah for sure i was doing some research for fandoms and and a bunch just kept popping up that i just don't see that i'm just like not a part of and so i don't know how much these fandoms are gonna like relate to what we're talking to because they they're like different right they're structured differently um, I get. I guess like one of the first types of fandom that I was seeing pop up a lot when I was doing things like googling largest fandoms was like fandoms of real people. So of course, probably the biggest fandom in the world right now is BTS Army. Um, the just a giant, giant um, cohort of people who love BTS. Um, and then K-pop in general is a big fandom. Of course, other musicians like Taylor Swift and the Swifties exist. Um, and they sure are, they should sure do be going crazy on TikTok right now. I, I like can't even engage with some of that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on with like real person fandoms, but especially some of the musical fandoms. And especially I think with Swifties, because there's always been this aura of like mystique, not mystique, but how like the secret messages, the like you know, this, that, or the other that really just gets taken to, like, a an unmanageable level. I, it does remind me a little bit of, like, the One Direction stuff in the past. Yeah, for sure. Swift, Taylor Swift, just to go on a total tangent, sorry to drag you into Swiftiness, Bailey. We were just talking about how you're not a Swifty. Tangents are what <laughs> we do best. Carry on. Heck yes. Well, she, she has a reputation for engaging with her fans, like you said, with clues and with Easter eggs. And I I think this is my opinion. I actually don't think she leaves hints. I think she only leaves Easter eggs. The difference being you cannot use the like clues that she drops to construct any sort of guess as to what she is going to do next. You can only like pick them out in hindsight and be like, oh, haha, that was a cute little reference to this. Like one of the things she has done in the past is she like painted her nails a pastel color um, before Lover dropped. Um, and like you can't, I mean, you can maybe see them and be like, oh, a new era is coming, but like you can't extract more information out of that. And what the fandom is doing is they are trying to extract information out of Easter eggs, um, but you can't, you can't. Right, because they don't have anything, they don't have a connection yet. There's not a, like, nothing to tie it to. And when you speculate on that, it just strikes me as kind of weird that you're, like, looking at someone's choice to paint their nails and being like, this means something significant, which maybe it does. Maybe she just wanted pink that day. 
Yeah, but I, I think it's just like mainly a random like, oh, haha, they'll think this is funny when they get to look back on it in three months. Like there's not a lot of if I drop this hint, they will be able to figure out this thing. And the the times that she has done that, like when she has dropped the um, track lists for the the vault tracks for her re-records, they have been it's been an extremely upfront like for Fearless, you had to unscramble some letters uh, and then Red was a little bit more difficult. She basically made it and then you had to figure out it was a word search and then you had to complete the word search. But those were these were like presented to us as here are some puzzles for you to solve. Right. That sounds like pretty straightforward. Yeah. The other things she's giving us are not puzzles. So anyway, uh, that's just my... The, the Swifty fandom is like trying to make everything she does a puzzle and it's driving me insane. That's fair. That would also drive me insane, but I, like, as you established, I'm not really in the fandom, so I don't see any of it unless it comes across my chat through you and Nicole, our other resident Swifty. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there are lots of other musicians with big fans. You mentioned One Direction, um, Rihanna and the Navy. Selena Gomez fans are pretty big. They call themselves Selenators. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, fandom fandoms are crazy but other other sorts of real people have fandoms um there there are some for like individual actors but i think those are more like thirst fandoms like and we're going in waves right it's you know it's your tom hiddleston's it's your sebastian stans right now it's your andrew garfield's yeah and i i don't really actively participate in those because i feel lanky about like that kind of consumption Yes, uh, as you probably should. Um, but I think I feel like that's not really the type of fandom um, we're talking about here. No. And then there's also like uh, fandoms for like bloggers or other internet personalities. I know um, Dan and Phil. I never watched them, but being on Tumblr, I saw a lot of Dan and Phil content in like 2014. I was certainly aware of who they were, but no, I never watched either. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, the Green Brothers and the Vlog Brothers and Nerdfighteria kind of goes along with that. Although, maybe this is getting too into it, but you could make an argument that, like, Nerdfighteria is more like a collection of fandoms than a fandom. Yes. But anyway, all of those things revolve around real people exist. They're they're huge. They're very popular. Um, and they, they do produce a lot of the same, like, offshoot media that I think we're kind of targeting. Like, the, the fan fictions, the fan arts. But... They exist in kind of a different sphere than, like, the main thing that we're going to be talking about, which is um, fandoms of different pieces of media. Right. And so the obvious media being books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, books. And, like, even within types of media, um, we're not really talking about, like, anime, video games, comic books. Even, like, Broadway and Broadway musicals have a big fandom, at least. Oh, I... presence on TikTok. Definitely feel like even back in the day, like, Rent had a big fandom as a Broadway musical on, like, Tumblr. Yes. Um, and a lot of those fandoms are, are really interesting and ones that, like... I'm, like, cursorily a part of, but, like, I don't know anything about anime, so I definitely don't feel qualified to speak on anime fandoms. Same. That is not something that I think fits into our experience at all. Yeah, so most of the fandoms that we are involved in, or the ones that we see, are going to be books, uh, movies, television shows, um, ones that have, like, crossover of both. So, like, Harry Potter, obviously there are books and movies, and I feel like... The Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is one of the big ones, has, like, 
any kind of media that you could imagine right now. Right. And then the final thing is sort of like fandom crossovers, which means we will be speaking of the dreaded super hulak. Yeah, the extremely cursed but kind of magical realm where like it's not enough to be a part of one fandom. You have to inject two fandoms together and like use them to inform each other. It's interesting. It was and honestly, I know now it's like funny to be like the cursed fandom of Super Hulak, but like at the time it wasn't the worst thing. There were some very good like AUs that came out of it. But then there was also like the one post that everybody thinks of when they think of Super Hulak where it's like somebody it's I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's like, you know, a Doctor Who po- a Doctor Who post and then someone comes in with a Sherlock reference and then it's like Dean kicking down the door, supernatural, and then it's just like a chain of like 18 posts and the thing is with tumblr like your dash used to be staggered so every time somebody reblogged it it added an indent and so this thing just took up your whole screen like indenting back and forth undulating (laughs) yeah the indents were fun i was also remembering um back when they had the indents like that you couldn't tell like who had reblogged you had to like scroll back up and like follow the line to figure out who had reblogged what part that was really fun when, like, um, like Neil Gaiman is still pretty big on Tumblr, and he would just, like, reblog a post just like a normal person, and, like, several reblogs down there, like, excuse me, was that Neil fucking Gaiman? Yeah, like, that was the advantage of a, um, like, semi-anonymous social media like that. Like, you could be, you could be outed. Like, John Green, everybody knew John Green, and he was open about who he was on his, his, um, his blog, but, like, you also didn't have to be that obvious about like who you were and i know we have other social media that's similar now um i'm just using my my rose tinted glasses if one will to look up back on like the prime tumblr years i'm gonna go put on my knee socks now <laughs> uh, and the other thing you when you were mentioning like that post of where it just like spiraled out of control like that it reminded me somebody recently reminded me of the post that was like potterheads get your wands oh um, whovians get your screwdrivers <laughs> or your sonic screwdrivers yeah, yeah. um the Hunger Games participants, I don't know what their fandom is called, but, like, get your bows. I think it said, like, it it wasn't, it was, like, tributes or something. Yeah. Tributes, yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, just the the epitome of cringe culture, but, like, back in a time when it was, it was... It was less cringe. Genuine. Yeah, well, it was genuine. They were they were just so excited about their fandoms, and that's so there's something so sweet about that that I I kind of miss. Right. Um, but the the thing about all those fandoms is like they were, I, they were really big generally, and like people were into them for a, a decently long time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because I guess in order to be a Whovian, you have to commit to watching like an extensive amount of television, even if you're only watching the reboot. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of content to consume. Yeah, and same with Supernatural. I mean, that show went on for, like, 15 seasons. We have already established so that I cannot do it. So, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Although, I will say, like, back then, it that what, there wasn't the buy-in for Supernatural yet. Like, because it was, I don't know, I, I watched Doctor Who in 2013 and it felt like a lot, but like 
Supernatural started in 2005, and seasons didn't come out, like, super-duper fast back then. So by, like, 2010, you know, there still wasn't that many freaking seasons. Uh, no, I don't know that I agree. I think Supernatural and Doctor Who reboot premiered in the same year. Doctor Who comes out less regularly and has fewer episodes per season. That's probably it. Yeah, Supernatural has, like, 22 episodes a season, so they probably um, had the same number of seasons and, like, double the episodes. It's a, it's a lot of content, and it feels overwhelming. Yeah, it. I mean, it is overwhelming, for sure. But we're kind of trying to talk more about today uh, how fandom has, like, changed and shifted and, like, what the fandom landscape looks like today in like that same category of fandom right so the media the the books and movies especially the books and movies especially the media that has both like books and movies and tv shows yeah the tv show for sure i feel like is one of the things that i see it a lot happen a lot with but yes also like tv shows from books um and we originally thought of calling it micro fandoms but realized that micro fandom is already previously defined as like really small fandoms with a a few fans um i get i guess one would think of it like the ability to say like oh i was a fan of that before it was big uh for a very obscure show or book or something like that but maybe there is still a very active but small social media component to this fandom yeah, so microfandom is just kind of the term we came up with on the fly when we were first talking about this a couple weeks ago, but it definitely is already a, a word with a definition and it doesn't really hit on what we're trying to examine. So the term we're, we're going to tentatively use for right now is like a flash fandom. So this is a fandom that is very intense, but for a short period of time. Um, so people are really deeply obsessed with it, but probably only until the content is over or a little bit past that. Can you hear the banging on yes, my ceiling? Yes, I can, unfortunately. I do not know what the fuck is going on in the apartment above me, but they have been wild in the last <laughs> few days. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just, I swear, like, every time we record, there's, like, a ghost. There's, like, something crazy happening outside your window. Yeah, and my children uh, no. are like actually being calm and very good right now but then my fucking neighbor has to go crazy yeah yep anyway anyway flash fandoms are just and, and it feels just very all-consuming and then never spoken of again i feel like is my feeling with these these flash fandoms that i think we're seeing and want to have a discussion about Mm -hmm. And, like, the main one that I'm using as an example for, like, right now, February 2022, uh, I see a lot of content about Encanto, the newest Disney movie. Um, and I, I feel like we all often get a swell of content around Disney movies, but I don't know if, if it's recency bias or it's just something I've never paid attention to before, but it seems really intense for Encanto. But you also think, like, I don't envision it lasting more than a few more months right because the content is over right there's unless they decide to make a second one which like i don't think that's a thing that's gonna happen i mean um, at least not for a few more years and like maybe then there'll be a resurgence but well that also because it takes so long to make a disney movie like 
But I, I genuinely don't remember seeing this much content around, like, Soul, Onward, Raya and the Last Dragon, Luca. I, I saw a little bit more about Luca, but it was less fandom and more like, did Disney just queer code and then, like, shove it out there and be like, it's distinctly not queer? Um, and it wasn't about, like, enjoying the actual content. Yeah, it was more about discourse than it was about, like, creating fandom content. So I think Encanto is definitely alone in that because all of the ones that i just listed off with the exception of onward i suppose came out during the covid19 pandemic so it's not like something about the pandemic changed in kanto like luca and raya and the last dragon and soul all came out during that time onward came out on march 6th so for most of the united states everything was still open i actually don't think anything was closed because i was in dallas after that like march 10th mm-hmm Actually, that's just Kelly's birthday, which I'm referencing because I feel like we went right around her birthday. Yeah, it, it was right around there, maybe like a couple days before, but everything shut down on like March 15th and you guys had just left a couple of days ago, so. Right. Okay, yeah, so I like clearly that's not necessarily, the pandemic is not necessarily something that's like affecting these fandoms. And I noticed, Katie, you put down one that I've definitely wanted to bring up, which was WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So I don't, consume marvel content on a level like a lot of people like you do but i remember seeing so much about wandavision even though i generally don't interact with marvel content on like tiktok or something and now i see nothing about wandavision Mm -hmm. yeah and another thing that is worth just like mentioning while we get into this discussion is that mcu is a really interesting case right where it you can be a fandom of like the entire Marvel cin- cinematic universe, um, or you can be a fan of like individual properties within the within the MCU, or like any combination of the two. Right? You can be really into some of it, really not into some of it. And WandaVision is one where I'm sure that there are people who are not larger fans of the MCU that still watched and enjoyed WandaVision, which informs how the fandom functions and like all of the different nuances there. But WandaVision in particular was a huge hit. Um, and you're right, there was it was just like mountains and mountains and mountains of, of fan art, of fan fiction, of cosplay, just of people talking about it, theorizing about it. Um, and then I, I still see a little bit of it, but specifically because the Multiverse of Madness is about to come out and Wanda plays a big role there. And it's it's almost in a way going to be a continuation of WandaVision. So there is still a little bit of content, but it's certainly not the same way it was in last March or whenever it was airing. Right. And that is definitely something about MCU is that, like, it is all one big fandom, but it is also not all one big fandom. And so that plays a role. But I still was going to bring up WandaVision because that was something I noticed. And then even with, Netflix shows that don't have, like, a greater universe, like Fate, the Winx saga. I saw a lot of cosplay around that for a very brief time and then nothing. I did also see a lot of discourse around that, um, but I saw a lot of content as well and then nothing. Yeah, and it's also interesting to kind of just see if we can pick apart the difference between, like, the fandom of just, like, everybody is watching this show at the same time, which I feel like happens with, like, 
It happened with The Witcher, happens with Succession. Um, I think I am not watching Eufor- Euphoria, but it's definitely happening with Euphoria just because everyone is watching it week to week versus like, I feel like Euphoria fandom is is more rooted in everyone's just watching it at the same time and talking about it. I don't think there's a lot of like, quote unquote, fandom content in terms of like fan art, fan fiction stuff like that although bailey's making a face at me no i fully agree with you and i think it's because the subject matter of euphoria doesn't really lend itself to any of that because like um sure this is a show about i'm distilling euphoria down to a very few words here so like people who love euphoria don't come at me i don't mean this but like euphoria is a show about like interpersonal problems and addiction and growing up and sexual identity and things like that and so it's not something that you like can create content out of and if you do you're walking like a really questionable line for a lot of things Mm -hmm. well and same thing with succession right succession is about family and power struggles and privilege and all sorts of other things and like there's not a lot of content about there other than i feel like the kind of content that comes out of succession is like short um like incorrect whatever quotes type of content where it's like incorrect succession quotes and so they just like put in little blurbs of like oh it would be funny if the characters like said this it's one banana michael what could it cost ten dollars (laughs) exactly which by the way succession and arrested development are the same show oh okay so So the banana might really cost that yeah cool cool didn't didn't know that when making that comment just that is the that is the evergreen incorrect quote in my mind (laughs) yeah but they make content like that about it but it's it's more just like haha we're all watching this thing inside joke type of content more so than the like really intense fandoms like harry potter like game of thrones back in the day um like lord of the rings which we'll we'll get into those a little bit more and that's one of the things that i wonder with flash fandoms about is this like a function of binge culture in some ways but you have touched on with like euphoria and succession that they're they're weekly releases and i feel like we have started to see a change in release schedules for new media like for a little while there it was all bingeable content they would release an entire season in one go and that was standard and now we're seeing a lot more weekly release even on streaming services that don't have live television yeah, and I'm sure it is a reaction to or or an attempt to garner this kind of discussion, right? Like, there's nothing that said that Disney Plus had to release WandaVision weekly. They easily could have dropped it all on a binge, but they wanted to generate that fandom and that discussion. And they wanted to be a moment in culture that, you know, everybody was participating in together versus like, the Witcher. I actually still haven't watched Witcher season two. I'm excited to. I want to. I enjoyed season one a lot. I love Henry Cavill. But, you know, it came out and it's like, well, there's no, like, immediate need to watch it. Like, all of the episodes are there. I can get to it when I get to it. Right. And and I've also noticed it with, like, you know, Peacemaker was a drop of three and then the rest of the season. Wheel of Time was a drop of three or four and then the rest of the season. So it's like we've we've got you hooked, but now we want to keep you on the hook for further consumption. And while you're here, could we suggest this other show? Yeah, exactly. It's like you're already on the platform and then you ran out of the show you wanted. 
that happened, I started watching Bel Air, which is the the Fresh Prince reboot. I actually am really enjoying it, first of all. I was pretty skeptical, but I saw a couple of people whose opinions I generally trust online talk about enjoying it. So I watched it and I'm enjoying it a lot. But they did. They dropped three and then now it's weekly. And so I was like on Peacock. So I just like started watching Psych or something else that was on the platform. So, you know, it's an effective tool to get what they want out of consumerism. Right. And that's what I mean is like that is my cynical take a little bit. And I did ask a coworker like about his thoughts on the way things are released and like if these like flash fandoms are a thing. And he's like, well, it's a money grab. And I was like, well, I mean, you're not wrong. Companies do exist to to get money like capitalism. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yes. But also love capitalism. It does create. I don't know. It gives the opportunity for more of this fandom, which can get more people involved and also like on a non-capitalism side of fandom is like you get a community in which people like something you like and you can talk to them about this thing yeah i mean like things can have two motivations or things done out of like maybe mainly selfish or capitalistic motivations can still have good results um i don't feel like we need to go fully into like deconstructing there is no ethical con- consumption under capitalism, which is a true fact. Um, but like, they can be wanting to both build a community and make money. Um, and you know, I-, I am generally and more and more so as I am growing older, anti-capitalist. But like, we do live in a capitalist society. There's just there's nothing that I, on a personal level, can do about that. So at least I can still enjoy the content that they create, I guess. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, I, I'm not here to to deconstruct it. I'm just saying there is, like, some benefit to creating this community. And if, if, like, four people, one person, if any single person finds, like, safety in, in a small group for a short period of time out of it, great. Like, fuck the capitalist system. But glad that one person got something. I also, like, I obviously, coming from where I'm coming from, I freaking love fandom. So I think people should get the opportunity to experience it. But I also wonder how much of the, like, way we interact online with fandom can affect fandom. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Especially with the changing in social media usage. Like, obviously, we became of fandom age during the tumblr era and tumblr's like the like old unimportant social media now at least it seems like in modern fandom consumption you know what i love about tumblr though is it just refuses to fucking die it's been through two sales like i feel like a lot of time the staff is like actively trying to ruin it by adding new features that are bad um and you just you can't get rid of them they're like a little they're a little infestation of fandomy cockroaches um and i really appreciate that about the blue hell site i was just about to say the original blue cell hell site cannot be defeated <laughs> they like never they tried to ban words that they thought were associated with adult content and they banned like Words you use during normal conversation. <laughs> they, like, I know. blacklisted they girl, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they like blacklisted girl, which I think the <laughs> idea there was like there's a lot of the adult content they want to get rid of is like accidental underage people 
being presented and things like that or so they like would be tagged with girl but like you can't ban the word girl from being used on your platform like that's (laughs) not really how it works if you want anyone to be able to functionally use your platform I mean like it's 2022 we should probably try and get rid of like really gendered like reactionary responses but still somebody does something and you're like girl no yeah and just to continue on this tangent um something that I think is really fascinating is how people on TikTok have like changed speech to like get around censors so they'll say like s-e-g-g-s segs instead of sex or like instead of saying um something about suicide they'll talk about unaliving themselves um and i think it's gonna be really really fascinating to study in in like a decade yeah there's like a huge linguistic shift based on like trying to get around censorship and it is yeah i mean like i know for a little while like to get around the censorship of lesbian, people would put L E La Dollar Bean. La Dollar Bean. And people started making like La Dollar Bean merch. And I'm like, <laughs> this is so it's like like this is so nonsensical when you look back at it. If you had no context for it, you would be like, um Do we all speak English? Is this are we still conversing in English? Like but yes, that is a good um, good tangent, which brings me to TikTok being the main current location of, like, fandom content and how that creates a very different type of content interaction than Tumblr did. Yeah, 100%. And it also, I, we haven't really touched on the other ones that we wrote down, but we, we also wrote down to talk about, like, DeviantArt, which is where people would put all their fan art. Um, and, of course, AO3 is still the predominant fan fiction hub um but i feel like even a lot of that content is now captured within tiktok right yes especially especially art um because there are lots of good videos of people showing off their art there's been a big uh amount of content of people like doing the art and then like showing you the finished product which makes really good and, and interesting content and i think digital art creation has allowed that to expand and increase without like deviant art because now I see a lot of cool ones where people are, they have the outline, but then they use Procreate to reveal the finished product. And it looks so cool. And that's not something that would have been possible in 2014. Or I guess maybe Procreate might have existed on, did did Apple Pencils exist? Never mind. Apple Pencils didn't exist. I mean, I'm Googling it right now so that when I'm wrong, I can um, let everyone know that I am wrong. It would have been not that long after 2014, though. Probably like 2016 at at latest. I'm just... Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So the Apple Pencil came out in 2015. November of 2015. Nice. Not too bad. Time has no meaning for me. Anyway. Yeah, no. Time is a construct. AO3 I obviously still see a lot on TikTok, but it's like I read this fic go read it. And I feel like on Tumblr, it was more like a discussion about the fic and not just one content creator saying like, oh my God, you guys, you have to go read this fic. And the other thing that happens on TikTok is there there are like recommendations like that, but there are also the POVs, right? There's a huge uh, amount of like POVs and like um, OC original character cosplay 
type POVs. Um, there's one creator I know of that is really big that does a lot for like the MCU. She also has a couple of Harry Potter OCs um, and she's like super popular and that's the kind of stuff that like you could post videos on Tumblr but that's not what Tumblr was for. Right. So like that kind of content was very different. Right. Like role playing looked very different on Tumblr than it does on TikTok. Right. And even cosplay looked really different because I feel like my experience and this, again, is my experience with cosplay on Tumblr was like it was more a series of reblogging yourself with the progress of your cosplay rather than like a, a cut screen to like you being the character. Mm hmm. A final look thing and then most photos were just like you at the con that you were doing the cosplay for and less so or the harry potter movie release or whatever and less so like just doing it at home for the content creation yeah that definitely is fair i think there are there are both types of content on TikTok, right? There's the there's the finished product they do like crazy crazy photo shoots they do the the like talking to you pov cosplays at home um and there are also lots of of like videos building up to that right where they're like making their costume but it's it definitely is very differently presented and i also think that it might the algorithm on tiktok a source of much contention for a lot of people might play a role in the longevity of fandoms like obviously i don't have any data to back this up and that data presumably does exist and is mineable but um like, just the way that you, most people tend to use your, your For You page and the algorithm changes the types of content that you see within the bounds of, like, what you like versus Tumblr, your dash was people you followed and you or you could follow specific tags and that stuff would show up. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point about the algorithm. I think that um, it sort of, like, artificially elongates the lifespan of the fandom. Oh, I was actually saying that I think it could shorten it because the algorithm moves you on. Oh, that's also a good point. Again, this data probably exists. We'll never get our hands on it. Like, the public is never getting their hands on the algorithmic data that, like, would support any of these theories. But I think that it could play a role versus, like, only seeing the people that you follow or the tags that you follow. Yeah, whereas on TikTok... Like, you have a, a, a page of people that you follow, but I never, ever go over to that I page never use ever. it. Right. Yeah, I, I only use the free page. Right. Same. So, I, I don't know. It, I think it's interesting that to see how that could be affected because there's so many... So, the landscape of social media and fandom has changed so much. And then you've also got, like, I don't... I don't know if it's just because content does come out so much faster. I really wonder if that has to do with it because for like all the other recent fandoms I can think of, I don't really hear all that much about anymore. Like I'm sure there's still people out there that like, you know, the Grisha verse. I still really like it. I'm going to watch the next season when it comes out, but I don't see like new content around it. Like I did when the show first came out. Yeah. And it's really interesting to try and think of like, what will be the next fandom that sticks around, right? If there even will be another one. Because, right. like, I don't see anything that has been coming out recently having the longevity of Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Star Trek or even Game of Thrones, although I know that Game of Thrones has sort of died off to an extent. Yeah. 
Which episode was it where we kind of went off the rails and we were like, did Game of Thrones accidentally kill longevity and fandoms? Like, but I know we went on a tangent about that. <laughs> but it it, do, it certainly killed its own longevity with, with the finale, um, yeah. if nothing else. Although it is, I have been seeing, like I said, I've been seeing a resurgence of Game of Thrones fandom by people who are like, there's at least one creator that I see a lot, but I think there have been a couple more that have popped up recently, but she she's going back to like, oh, like that's how it was in the show, but like this is how it was in the books and like this is what was changed and it's really like popular content that's starting to sort of re-spark people's interest in the books at least, which is interesting. Like, so even though that one is like dead mostly, like it's still getting play in a way that a lot of newer fandoms don't. Um, and so I'm interested to see if anything else will, will come up that's going to have that sort of longevity. Like, I think you can maybe argue MCU, but I, like y- you guys know that we have a little bit of a conflicting feelings on the MCU as a, like, it's a fandom of fandoms and there's just a lot going on there. I don't think it really lives in the same category as these, like, titans of fandom. Well, no, and think about some of the, like, much older MCU movies that got people into it but that aren't really like relevant to the greater universal story anymore they're like background information so i don't know i also wonder if the quality of the content affects the longevity of a fandom um or and and this is not the example i'm going into i'm not trying to say actually you can listen to our episode about it like we do have some issues with it but we have issues with a lot of things like the grishaverse novels don't have like this much like room for lore digging that we've talked about before where you can theory craft and you can spend days on the internet about like what's going to happen next what's going on here that sort of level of nuance just isn't available especially in the tv show whereas with game of thrones and harry potter and lord of the rings there was all this to go into lord of the rings certainly helped along by the um all the background information Tolkien just kept pumping out because he wanted to. Well, I think it, it also comes back to what you were talking about binge culture, right? It's like Harry Potter and Game of Thrones, at least, obviously less so for modern day fandom of Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Star Trek. But Harry Potter and Game of Thrones were like ongoing fandoms that people joined in the middle of. And I feel like it's a much harder sell to get people to join in to the middle of a fandom right now that we can just wait until something is over and then binge it. Right. Um, And then when you do that, you're not getting that, you know, in the trenches type of theory crafting because there's just less buy-in from the community. Right. And it also feels like, obviously this exists with MCU some, but for other types of media right now, there's not that that space of time between output. The only thing that's even approached that in terms of modern media is like Stranger Things has been that many years apart. But like we used to see with books that were two to three years apart, we're not going to talk about the fact that we're never getting the end of Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, but it, ga- it gave you more time to like sit and digest. And the only way to consume the media was to like read it again and notice little details and talk with other people as we said before, like, I remember going onto MuggleNut's website and, like, looking at the page that was, like, specifically titled, like, little things from book five or, like, little things from book six. And if you went to the page, you could look at how the little thing kept popping back up through the books. 
I also think that there is kind of a difference between these like gigantic fandom cultural moments like Harry Potter, like Lord of the Rings, like Star Wars, and things that are like very popular but will fade. And I think maybe there are too many things that are very popular and it's going to prevent there from being um, anything ginormously popular, right? Because as soon, like, instead of waiting in the middle of the thing that's very popular and like sitting with it and theory crafting like we have with other pieces of media, there's just another very popular thing that pops up, right? And so you're like, well, I can just focus my energy on on this next thing. Um, I think there there's more media being produced. A lot of it is really good media. Um, so it like gets that sort of initial buy-in, but then we don't have the, like we don't need to have the patience to hang on and sit with one piece of media when you can just focus on another thing. That's very true. Like the glut of content for a whole thing versus like there only being one thing to really focus on. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. That might be true because it, it is like, yeah, I finished Peacemaker and now I'm watching Inventing Anna. And when I'm done with Inventing Anna, there will probably be something new out for me to watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like Peacemaker came out right after Wheel of Time finished. So yeah, it's all just cyclical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just as soon as you put down one toy, there's a new toy for you to pick up. Right. Uh, and like, I'm not trying to say to have this whole conversation about Flash fandoms and pretend like, I'm not above this because I absolutely find myself doing it, like getting obsessed with one piece of content and then like a week later realizing that I've never thought of it again. My only real wrap up thought is that like, like I just said, I, I find myself doing it too. And it's got to just be a, a result of like the way fandom and content is just existing right now in the, the media setup that we have. Yeah, agreed. I think media is just so ever-present and omnipresent and in all, like, facets of our life that it, it's it's just the trend. And I, I would expect it to become even more Flash fandom, micro-fandom-y. Um, and I, I would be I'm, – I'm interested to see, like, what the next big titan or if there ever will be, a, like, a f- titan of fandom again. I am, too, because it was so – that was such a, a unique, all-encompassing thing to be a part of. But only time will tell. So now I think Katie has a fun game for me because she once again found something and told me not to look at it. Yeah, uh, so it's not it's not quite a game. I just found this article and it's called the 10 biggest and best fandom in the world ranked um, f- from a, w- a website called Fiction Horizon because I was trying to research like, oh, what are the biggest fandoms? Like what is relevant for us to talk about? Are, are any of these big fandoms new? Whatever. I was trying to get real information and I got immediately distracted by just a couple of pieces of extremely weird things. So they name the biggest fandom in the world and then they like tell you what the fandom name is. So like for number nine, My Little Pony fandom, the Bronies, right? We know that one. Right. Um, We know they're called Bronies. Again, this article is from like, well, it's from 2021. So I don't know if My Little Pony is still that big. Not not something that we were into, of course, but... um, or, like, number seven was Doctor Who fandom. The Whovians. Yep, knew that one. That one's fine. Do you want to know what they called the Game of Thrones fandom? No, I'm terrified, but was it, like, the Nobodies or something? I don't know. Thronies. No. 
<laughs> no. That's not even the worst one. The instinct to hang up this call right now is so strong. <laughs> and it's not you. It's not even you. <laughs> there, Hang on. There are two more that are really bad. Um, uh, again, Potterheads. We know that Harry Potter. Um, apparently, there is a name for the MCU fandom. No. Do you have any guesses? No, I don't. Uh, this article purports that their their fandom name is Marvel Zombies. That is so rife with negative connotation. Yeah, and also zombies do not play any part in the MCU. Right, and I have never heard that. And I have a lot of people in my life who are very big MCU fans. Marvel Zombies? Oh my god. Okay. It's that isn't yeah, not a thing that they do. And I, I like there are there are two more. Um uh number five was the supernatural fandom. Any guesses? No. This one's honestly like it's not terrible, it's just I don't know where it came from. It's it's SPN family. Oh, I mean obviously I've seen SPN, but like mostly just because we're all too fucking lazy to type out supernatural. Yeah, like SPN makes sense, but like I've never seen anyone re- refer to themselves as part of the SPN family. Neither And it's like one word, too. Like, it's SPN family, one word. Mm, no. And here, this is what the article says about it. The fan base is most often referred to as SPN family, given the show's family doesn't stop with blood concept. The only surprise about the phrase is that fans didn't conceive of it sooner, and it took... Oh, apparently Jared Padalecki is purported to have popularized it. Interesting. I, I feel like that's just because he was talking at a con and being like, oh, yeah, the SPN family, and everyone's like, we should call it that. Well, I I, I think probably nobody said we should call it that. I think this article saw him say it that's, one time. That's absolutely like, oh, fair. That's what they're okay. called. Okay, and then by far the worst offender. This is unbelievable to me. D- is there a name for the Star Wars fandom that you're aware of? No, I mean, like, Star Trek is Trekkies, but I don't know of one for Star Wars. Apparently... It is Warzies. So, you know, like, in the context of me just saying, oh, there's Trekkies, um, (laughs) that makes sense. But, like, I hate it. And also, no. Hard no. I've never once heard anyone say that. No, like, hard, hard no. Um, No, I haven't either. Oh, God, I hate it. I think that we should ban that forever because, as usual, we're right. Yeah, and we should say it. Pour yourself a glass of wine Let's start reading in between the lines Never know what we might find Yeah, it could be magic Oh, oh, oh. Pros Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips Our theme song is by the wonderful Anna Voss And our logo is by Baby Truth Collection We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. If you get a chance to rate and subscribe in the meantime, it'll really help us out. You should hit it win. with a broom. Can you? Your ceilings are kind of high. I feel like you probably can't hit it with a broom. Uh, I mean, I could probably, not with any amount of force, but I think I could reach it with a broom. I mean, the force is the key part, you know? TV show trope. Yeah, so... You're, you're right. I could not do that then, but I could, I could probably touch the ceiling with a broom. Okay.